In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. (laughs) Tales from the Cryptocurrency. (laughs) Good one. Yes, this is episode number 24, and if it... uh, doesn't change its title we're talking about our blockchain future and hopefully it doesn't sound scary but the crypt keeper is scary so i don't blame I you i had to open with that right because it's like no one really knows about crypto i think if we think about that old show like you're going into the mysterious place you have no idea what it is it, it's pretty scary uh, we'll let you know because we're jumping into it with you yeah Yeah, so um, this is the cutting edge of, you know, whatever's cutting edge. Ray and I are learning it the best we can, and we want to bring you all along for the journey as well and encourage you to explore this because it's not going away anytime soon, that's for sure, unlike what some big cat old school bankers may have stated in the past. (laughs) Cryptocurrencies are becoming assets. They're recognized by all of the standard or freestanding authorities on currency in the United States and and countries around the world. Even if they're a country, like you were saying earlier, Ray, um, when we were prepping for this, you mentioned, you know, China doesn't like it. I'm I'm thinking of a few other countries. Turkey does not like crypto because they, they don't want that competition. They don't want anybody being able to ex- exchange goods or, or things outside of their control, right? Outside of the system that they control, especially in China, which is interesting. And this is a bit of a diversion, but we'll come back. Um, you brought this up in the past, Ray, and I think it's a very good time to bring it up again <clears throat> around um, the rural, the rural regions in China, where they actually gave them the opportunity, um, individuals in China can vote. So where in China you can vote is actually in rural farming communities, not the cities, the cities where people are packed in, no voting. Um, but in order to keep right the, the masses out in the farmland, because the current auto- autocratic system that rules China was born out of a revolution from the farms. And it became the system, the government we know today, and the Democrat, the Democratic Chinese fled to Taiwan. So there's a little history lesson for everybody. So the the true Democratic leaders of China uh, were had to leave, had to flee China. They went to Taiwan. That's why Taiwan and China have such a difficult relationship and why we in the United States have such a close relationship with Taiwan because of democracy versus the authoritarian system that controls China today under the name of communism. Um, long story short, anyway, sorry, coming back to it. In in the rural communities, they get the vote and they're also getting this electronic currency, right? And it's all, both of those things are intended to control them to prevent the next revolution from coming from the farms. Uh, <laughs> it's really interesting. So it's like you, you get in, you got to get on our electronic currency and then we get to 
rate you as a citizen and you know your loans and your fees and everything are determined by how good of a citizen you are your citizen score and just it's such a different way to live and it's not at all how i want to live <laughs> no and let's be clear here that china is not anti crypto digital currency they're just anti digital currency that is not theirs mm. because once they control the money they can turn it off right once they control that cash they can just shut it off. So if the if the farms do, so that's what I'm curious is, will China eventually phase out the democracy components in the farms because they've eliminated any chance of a peasant revolt? And it's always been that peasant revolt that has thrown the Chinese government. The Chinese government has existed for a long time um, in different forms, but they have always been thrown overthrown by the peasant class or the or the farming communities, and that is. An important note because now with the fact that they've taken you know money away from them they no longer have paper currency they have digital currency and the fact that there is all this control in regards to your your credit score or your person score they they're doing everything they can to systematically track and control those masses and take away any ounce of right they have left and that's where this cryptocurrency comes into place because I don't think we're that much further from it, really, Michael, when it comes down to it, because the United States system is still a system of control. Mm -hmm. It just it just begs to be free. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, we have we're rule of law um, rather than a rule of state. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there are precedences that get established and the Federal Reserve has it has its own lane that it has to stay in. And yeah, all that stuff for financial market's sake, um, but only because we, air quote, believe in the rule of law, not to say that we haven't bastardized our laws to make corruption legal. That's a different topic. <laughs> We've made corruption legal in a lot of places. Um, but anyway, we digress from crypto. I just wanted to point that out that there's this, you know, there's this love-hate relationship between the old and the new in every case. Um, and in this case, you know, it's it's the old guard fiat currencies and the governments that control those currencies and those financial systems and markets versus everyone in the world who wants to kind of like be free or have have assets democratized and not controlled by individuals. And this is where this is why crypto, blockchain, cryptocurrency, all of these things are a fundamental shift away from the paradigm that we've always known, because the paradigm we've always known is patriarchy. It's a top down. It's a, hey, we're going to build this system, you know, and everyone's going to come and participate in it. Whereas this is people on the ground building the systems and, and us choosing to participate in them or not. And it's these currencies are essentially systems. I mean, these individual coins or whatever the names are for the things, whether it's a dog coin or Ethereum or, or et cetera, it's code, it's software, right? And it's software that's in, instructed to do a certain set of things um, financially. And so your trust shifts from the, you know, the institution or the people who operate that institution or your faith in the people following the rule of law um, under an institution to shifting that faith to the code and saying, I, I believe that this currency, you know, has been coded in a way and, and it behaves in the way that it's been coded. And so I trust in that. I trust in the software. And they've set it up too so that when you've purchased one of these coins, 
um, maybe not Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the old school one that's been on the range for a long time. Um, there's these new upstarts based on the Ethereum network. And, and then there'll be a bunch of other ones. There's, there's just a whole boatload of things emerging from this technology because we're not exactly sure. They're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. And it's all pretty legitimate. I mean, I see, I mean, there's a hundred and something coins out there and they are all attacking a different problem. They're all trying to be a solution to a different problem. Like, for instance, there's this one that's called Compound. And what it does is it, it, it tries to solve the problem of dividends or a money market dividend paying checking account, right? So you've got all this crypto coin that you may or may not be trading and buying, but some of it's sitting there, right? Just like your cash sits in your checking account. Well, why not have that cash sit somewhere where it's actually generating a return for you? 2%, 6%, whatever. You know, today you would go to the bank and you would buy a certificate of deposit, good old school CD, right? And maybe in 10 years you'll get 1% on what you put into it. I don't know. <laughs> that kind of concept, but in the crypto world, and it's not locking your money in for one year or five years or 10 years. You don't have to commit to these long-term things. You just move your money in when you need it. You get paid the interest according to the rules of that blockchain, of that code. And then you pull your money out and you're on with your way. And you're not dealing with necessarily a company or an institution that's rigging contracts to kind of try and jip you out of money through fees and things like that. Go ahead. So let's let's tie it, let's tie it to why you should care about it, right, folks? Mm -hmm. So like so what we're trying to say here is that what's the best example of the cryptocurrency that has evolved and exists besides the US dollar that we've spoken about? Let's talk, it's not exact perfectly uh, tied, but what when you go to get, go deal with a bank, right? What do you get stamped on, on on your card every time? There's a logo there. It's three key logos. It's Visa, Mastercard, or American Express. Okay. Or well, Discover, ladies and gentlemen. Or disc. Oh yeah, let's not forget about Discover. They're still Diners taking Club, some places. And, yeah. Anyway. I mean, yeah. well, when you get well, that's that's the point, right, Michael? When you pull back the layers, when you look at the back of your card, there's all these other names you've never heard of: Pulse, Nice, Interlink. So Maestro. My yeah, Maestro. So understand that at one at one point, all of these networks were vying and competing and trying to be the best. And in the end, there were a couple big leaders: Visa and Mastercard. And we are saying that one day, you, you'll there will be a point where you may not have a choice. The cryptocurrencies that will be left will be left. You'll have Bitcoin. You'll have the and we're not endorsing any coins knows, here specifically, yeah. right? But you'll have Civic. I don't know, but in the end, you'll have missed that window, right? Where where they where there was a period of trying to be part of something that was revolutionary, growing and changing the world. Like Visa and MasterCard, there's nothing that's revolutionized virtual consumerism than Vir Visa and MasterCard rules and regulation and network consolidation. But their days are numbered, except they are getting into the cryptos. By the way, they're even trying to sustain themselves. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Everybody's vying for a footing in this new world because it's dynamic, um, it's disruptive, and it's powerful. Right now, we're talking about it and we're attacking it from very specific angles, but it's actually a very nebulous thing. Um, so right now we're just talking about cryptocurrencies and we're talking about the means to transact, right? The means to purchase something. Um, 
trade goods all that stuff right and right now cryptocurrency it's not clear to anybody how you know i'm using my visa or mastercard today tomorrow how that ends up being crypto that's like you said not abundantly clear but it feels like that's where we will we will be we will end up there and if for no other reason because of the blockchain technology itself um, because blockchain is a technology that can be used by anybody, any institution, any company, any bank. Um, right now, it's out there in the world of cryptocurrencies um, because that's where it can flourish because all these other things are kind of, they're not open to it. They don't, they, they saw it from the outside, right? So it's growing on the outside of these institutions, but sure enough, all those companies are going to be pulling in blockchain. They're going to be introducing this technology and trying to create a walled garden. So like, you know, now Visa owns whatever. They were the first ones to integrate blockchain technology and now offer X, Y, and Z benefit for, for transaction processing. I don't, who knows how all of that's going to happen, but it's important for everybody who's listening to understand that's that's why it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary not just because of what we see on the surface, because of all these coins that are coming into fruition, um, but because of the technology behind the scenes and the fact that it's so decentralized. So Ray and I had an episode of the podcast not too long ago about centralization versus decentralization. This is a critical technology for the decentralization of finance into the future. And um, the promise of that is not lost on the crypto community at all. And I think the Jamie Dimons and the, you know, the big bankers of the world are really starting to wake up and realize, oh, <laughs> you know, we, we may not own this corner forever now, all, all that much longer. And the Federal Reserve is recognizing cryptocurrencies as, you know, potential assets and things of that nature. But I think the threat is probably a little more existential when it comes to global fiat currencies, but it's not gonna to happen tomorrow. I mean, I can see a future where we are all using crypto on our devices to transact in our daily lives. Somewhere behind the scenes in the old underbelly of this system will still be dollars, US dollar fiat currency or euros or you know, somewhere out there underpinning some old infrastructure the things that were ubiquitous today that were in our daily lives will probably recede into behind the scenes. And all we'll know is this crypto transaction or this app or that app is, is how we facilitate things, right? And then it goes back into the infrastructure. That's kind of how I see us maybe 10 years in the future or something. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to see any way. Sorry, it won't, won't no, work, right? I don't see any way it won't work because this works for wealthy people too. Like wealthy mm -hmm. people stop being subject to their financial advisors and they're no longer subject to the whim of their institution's rates and they can lend their money directly to the blockchain. You become the institution, you're in the driver's seat. So for me, it seems completely scalable. I don't see any reason why any average person wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the risk side of things. So, um, you know, I, that, that's something that I'm not, I don't feel educated enough to speak on yet is how risks are managed or mitigated because, you know, the loss of value is a real thing. So the reason why nothing's happening right away is because none of these currencies are particularly stable. There's a fair number of them that are launched targeting to become they're targeting to be stable currencies so they mirror or match themselves to like the US dollar, try and peg um, the value of it to the dollar because 
you know, if you were to try and just buy something using Bitcoin, it would be crazy. It's like, well, how much Bitcoin are you actually going to spend on that? It depends on the minute of the day of the transaction. <laughs> so there's some, you know, there's a volatility issue there. Um, so right now it's mostly traders, right? It's mostly treated like a, um, more like trading platforms, trading currency. But the stuff that's emerging will be, I can see where a lot of us might park our dollars. Like you just, you know, you have an emergency fund for X number of months. You're not going to get an interest rate out of a bank like you're going to get potentially from one of these cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, and as long as they're able to demonstrate some level of stability um, or where we can understand the risk of potential loss, you know, once that's better quantified and understood, people will be very comfortable just parking their dollars out there. And then there's no, you know, it's, it's, it's not a part of the economy today. It's not a part of the economy tomorrow. And it's not supporting a private institution. It's, a, it's supporting a public blockchain. It's, it's just so fundamentally different, especially from our sense of ownership of banks and things like that today. It's a team lift. It really is, you know, it, it's, it's basically doing what we do today. So you should feel very comfortable because today everything you do is based on the faith of the U.S. dollar, right? There's nothing mm -hmm. backing it. There's no gold. And if you really compare the U.S. dollar to the cryptocurrency market, the U.S. dollar is extremely, extremely high inventory. There is so much U.S. dollar inventory out there. It's questionable whether we'll consume it. So if you think about that position there, we need a release. We need something a little bit safer than the U.S. dollar. Um, I think it's a competitive print. advantage. We, we right. can't print. I mean, we, we can print we U.S. dollars, but we yeah, should stop. on the crypto side, there's a limitation, right? They're trying to make those assets yes. finite, which makes it a competitor in, in an interesting way to the dollar. Dollar can be printed. <laughs> and the Bitcoin cannot. And so that is, you know, that is a methodology that's going to force um, this, this ideal that it's going to be a valued asset and that why people say that the Bitcoin will eventually be a million dollars a coin, which, you know, we don't, we don't know. All of this is, is pure speculation. Nobody knows. But what happens in any major revolution is there are, are many losers and there are many whiz winners. Everything in history, the railroads that were built, how many railroads rose and fell during that situation? Barons came to light and then they were destroyed. The same thing happened during the gold rush. During any major revolution in the United States or now the world economy, we are going to see great risk, but great reward. When you hear organizations on TV, major players like banks and such disparaging it, you have to kind of question, you know, do they not want you to go to that river bank because there is gold in it? Oh, don't go down to that river. There's not an ounce of gold there. I'm sure that prospectors were doing the same thing back then. They sure they weren't telling you, yeah, come on over. There's all the gold. It's right here. I'm pretty sure that the bankers are the new prospectors saying, nope, nothing to see over here. Meanwhile, they're setting up their own mechanisms, right? And yet putting doubt into the market. But that benefits them. Understand that if they put doubt in the market, it depresses the price and they can continue to increase their share at a lower value. So there, there's all of this manipulation that's happening because this is kind of a Wild West market. Hey, prospectors, I was right. We're going to put that on a shirt. The new prospectors, Bitcoin. <laughs>
I think now is a good time for a message from our sponsor. Citizen Do Good. Even though you've heard it before, it's still true. The war is never over and every battle counts. I know you are tirelessly demonstrating good citizenry on the daily through actions and words, and you donate your time and your money to causes that count. Thank you. The time is now to deeply re-examine our current implementation of governance for the dawning of a new day. We are a proud sponsor of the Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. At Citizen Do Good, we want to empower all citizens to participate in the Republic in a reconstructive way. With that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow the community. Please rate the podcast with five stars on iTunes, through the app on the web, or on your device. If you don't feel like you can give us five stars, let us know why on our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Like it and follow it to help out even further. Also, make sure you join our newsletter at citizendogood.com. You'll get updates every couple of months on our antics, not just the podcast. While you're there, check out the shop, which has your favorite merch and provides a way to make a one-time contribution to help us pay for production and hosting. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page. Thanks for your support. Now, do you know where the name cryptocurrency came from? Because it's not a very good branding strategy, I feel like. It has the potential to push people away. Do they think of this at all? I don't, I don't know. This is, this is very much coming out of the technology realm, and I, I can't recall why what crypto cryptography it, it has to do with the blockchain and the immutable okay. nature of the blockchain so the encrypted nature of the blockchain yeah to you, the if unique you key. if you tried oh. to change it or anything it would break and so it's yeah it's it it's a, sounds scary it sounds scary <laughs> it just means that it's you know it's secure essentially um, but it really refers to the blockchain through. yeah and the blockchain is just the technology all these things are built on just air quotes just the technology it's makes all. it all possible <laughs> Trivial. it's all. only consuming a third of global energy right now oh my gosh yeah so that's the other side of it we'll have to see as far as longevity goes um how yeah what is the carbon footprint there's a lot of quantitative analysis going into that right now to figure out what the what the carbon footprint of blockchain well like um cryptocurrencies like uh, Bitcoin that have to be mined and you know the ledger has to be copied and, and all of this stuff is happening in the world across the world on many computers and so there's a footprint definite energy footprint there um, and that'll drive how sustainable it ends up becoming ultimately its problem is the same problem that has to be solved for everything I mean Amazon web servers I, I can't imagine the entire internet at some point is going to have to find out how to deal with its carbon footprint, um, blockchain included, especially if it starts to proliferate out there. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. I, I haven't seen any. I know they're trying to quantify it. Have you seen any numbers or impacts? No, not, not currently. I know the mining operations are the heaviest impact right now, but the redundant, you know, the need of the of the network is is a problem right we will have to maintain these servers they will have to be online continually so i there's going to be a cost and I, i'm thinking because the banks and all industries frankly that have moved towards paperless environments 
there's this huge cost that wasn't expected for running these servers, right? All this digital content we now have running email servers, your inbox, et cetera. This paperless environment is actually causing more potential damage through the carbon footprint because of all the electricity we have to, because a piece of paper, once it was printed, it sits there and never does anything else, right? Mm-hmm. But digitized paper must constantly be sustained. And we kind of missed that when we created the, uh, the digital revolution. It's, it's, a, it's a fallout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different when you're recording it on a magnetic disc because theoretically you write it and leave it, but that disc is going to always have power to it spinning. So there, yeah, there's always been an electrical electrification factor that paper didn't have. You're exactly right from a storage perspective. Um, but it's a big problem and it's going to have to get solved overall. And I'm pretty confident that we will. I don't want to derail us too much, but there's a lot of technology in material science, if if this reinvestment program that the new president is pushing through actually happens and we have major, major dollar investments in research, there's a lot of things sitting in labs around the country right now that are just waiting for investment, including things that are going to revolutionize how we transfer electrical energy, store and process it um, to, to whatever, to food production. Like all of that's just kind of pent up and waiting for a major investment to, to break it loose. So we'll see. I'm, I'm confident that the hardware aspects will have some solutions emerging soon as long as we move forward with investing, reinvesting in a new economy because it's desperately overdue. So with that, I'm looking at the timer. We're in a new timer world, right? So we're we're limiting our, our episodes, our topics to roughly 30 minutes. I don't know how long we're going to keep talking about it. Um, but for cryptocurrency, we want to talk, we want to make sure we covered how it fits, why we care about it, and then why you should care about it. And I, I think we've covered all of those bases. I mean, it 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 fits outside and around the existing financial system. And now it's finding inroads to replace um, products that are in the existing financial system. So it's, it's pretty clear it's fitting and it's going to continue to fit. And we, and I think it's, we made the case that we care about it because it's the future and, and getting on the cutting edge of things is always better than being behind the curve, which I think is also why everyone else should care. What do you think, Ray? That's what I think, right? So I think that what's different about our diff- our asks, right? I think most of what we are producing on our show has, we want you to debate us. We're ready to defend our position. In this situation, we don't want you to debate us. We want you to join us. We want to learn. We want to grow together. And we're not going to operate in a silo. We're being vulnerable, vulnerable by saying, hey, we're just jumping in. And as our listeners, because we are citizens, we're all equal, we want to share, right? We don't want to operate in a silo. So we're offering up you to come join us. We are not the experts here. Um, We are learning, but we want to learn with you. And unlike so many people in the media, we will not come in here and try to talk down to you and tell you what it is. Um, We are, this is different than most of our asks. Uh, This one is more of a join us on a journey, more so than come debate us in some instances. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ray. I like that positioning. Um, and I and I look forward to this topic also from a citizenry perspective because it does hold a promise to democratize finance in a way that it's not today, right? We've 
talked about redlining, I think in the past, you know, historically having money controlled by groups of individuals isn't always the best interest for the whole, right? What's good for the goose isn't always good for the gander, whatever the phrase is. Um, and our banking systems and institutions began as private companies and then became banks. The government came in and said, okay, you know what? It was just private rich people lending out their money contractually, right? Um, with no rules who they were allowed to give it to or deny it to or any of that stuff. It's my money. I'll give it to who I want when I want to give it to them. That's how banking started in this country. <laughs> probably in the world. I don't know. I, I spend most of my historical references in the United States, but this is an opportunity to fundamentally shift the power structure and move away from that top down model where, you know, it's like people always had the money, continue to have the money and build contracts to retain the money. This is no, this, this, this cryptocurrency was created for all of us to use it for all of our betterment. Right, it returns us all, and and we're not spending tons of money on the economy outside of running the servers, you know, to create that crypto and keep it out there and and have it evolve. Probably requires far less individuals, far less infrastructure, far less cost basis than the institutions opposing it today that are currently in our implementation. Right. Right. And I just want to be fair because there was a comment made earlier that a bank is never going to pay you a decent interest rate. I will admit that they may pay you a decent interest rate one day, but it'll be because of cryptocurrency. It'll be because of this new market. Yeah, competition. So if you're like, oh, my bank is giving me 3% interest rate, unheard of, um, but you will get it because cryptocurrency will create the pressure. They'll never get the rates I'm sure that we're going to see in crypto. Um, at least I can't imagine it. I see some pretty decent rates being offered out there. Um, but we shall yeah, see. Not unless they go full crypto. The only way to beat them is to join them. <laughs> Can you imagine? Very thought. Bad news for the Fed. It's going to be interesting. It's a brave, new, bold world out here. I think that's going to wrap it up. Sound good? Yep. All right, that's going to do us for another episode. We've been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr. And thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. It wasn't as scary as I thought, but I'll be working on my crypto laugh. <laughs> I look forward to it. Uh, this has been something, that's for sure. For information on this and other episodes, head over to citizenduga.com and click on podcast. While you're there, hit up our contact us page and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. Special thanks to you, our listeners. We save the best for last. You are the best and have been for years. Thank you for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fizzly and Studios, Inc.